here's what I let me tell you what I've been uh, I've been workshopping in my own brain for an intro here. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Um, so so when Andy when I interviewed Andy, uh, I did like some sleuthing on the on the internet and found out plenty of stuff about him. You're a little bit harder to find stuff on. You know, I find it, it seems to me that like a lot of projects that you work on, you do a lot of work, but some of them like you're shadow. You know, you're like the shadow man <laughs> making stuff happen, and so it's not quite as much right out there. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I know precisely what you mean. Yeah. But so here's what I was thinking. Like, so, so here we go. All right. Well, first of all, do you know any good, like, uh, like old prospector swears, you know, like sailor man swears? They're not real swear words. You mean like tarnation or consarnate, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Malarkey. Okay. Okay. Get your, get your, get your, uh, prospector swear ready. So here we go. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm here to let you know that this is a family friendly show. So if you want to listen to something uh, uh, terrible and offensive, you've got five seconds to do so. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Tarnation. Malarkey. That's it. <laughs> there we go. See? Keeping it, keeping it nice and PG. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't, I'm going to do my best to keep it PG on my end. Yeah, don't, don't, don't feel too stressed about it. I've got a little bleep thing I can put in and post and stuff. But um, While I was sleuthing you a little bit trying to find out some stuff about you on the internet just doing some googling i did come across this episode of the scaled down podcast that you and andy did together oh yeah yeah that's true uh, <laughs> that's with our that's with our good friend uh brad green he's the uh lead piper for uh, seven nations if you've never heard that band they're really good yeah you know i'm embarrassed to say that i hadn't well okay so i had heard of them but had not listened to them until i heard him interviewed on your on your uh on your podcast on Channerant. And yeah, no, he's he's great. He is, yeah. I'm glad you guys interviewed him because after that, I've been listening to their stuff quite a bit, and they're amazing. It's always so funny because like people people tend to get the idea that there's just so many more people out there doing kind of like hybrid piping, rock and roll, uh, different genres of music. They're, they think that there's so many people out there doing it poorly versus like just a few people doing it well. And I would say it's really the opposite. Um, it's just that. You know, the way the Internet works, uh, the general public tends to kind of highlight some of the uh, more gimmicky and horrible performances um, that yeah. we that we see, you know. And then you get great bands like Seven Nations, or, you know, or uh, like um, like uh, Real McKenzie's, like these awesome mm -hmm. bands that just kind of, you know, suddenly are backing out. You know, you Google bagpipe rock and roll and it's someone with flamethrowers on Fremont Street. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of those great bands, have you ever heard of one called Brother? I'm not. No, I'm writing it down. I actually only just recently found out that's who they were. When I was first starting to learn to play, this would have been like 2004. Um, this guy, Don Smith, who's kind of the... He, he, he appears in everybody's sort of... Uh, is pedagogy, I think that's the word for who taught whom. Like, yeah. Uh, he, he appears in a lot of people's pedagogy here in Utah, especially in Utah County. And, uh, and he gave my buddy and I... This was in sort of the we're still kind of riding the wave of like Napster and LimeWire at the time. Oh God. And so he <laughs> computer us, killers. Yep. So he gave us some burned CDs of like rock and pipe tunes. And, uh, there were a lot of tunes in there. I liked a lot, but I never know. I never knew who did them. Like I assumed it must've been like, I don't know, a lesser known Victoria police album or something. That's and the thing, yeah. I mean, that was the way it was. Yeah, uh, you'd get these songs, but who knows who did them, right? Yeah. Like you would get, you know, you'd be like at events and like, or like driving to events and someone would have these like 
shite homemade uh you know burn cds that you're yeah. listening to on the way there and you're like wait 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 who's this like yeah what? like track four is a banger where'd that come from <laughs> yeah it's like it's like uh like trading and black market pipe music you right. know because there just wasn't a lot of recordings available um and you know especially here in the states and like in the west coast uh you know, I can't like go to the Barnes and Noble and pick up like a Phil Marshall CD. Like that's just, right, yeah, <laughs> it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. Right. It's not available. So it's like, Oh, thank God for the internet. Yeah. And that's so like I had tried, so, so I've, I've retained several of these tracks through the years, just like on Google drive and stuff. And every once in a while I would try like, you know, Google and a few other software uh, like apps and stuff out there where you can play a song and it'll identify the song for you, you know? And I tried a few times and I never was getting an identification on these songs. But just like a few weeks ago, I just tried again. And it turns out this band Brother um, did uh, a lot of them. And uh, let's see, actually, I'm going to look real quick. Brother. Yeah, that's that's one of the great things, too, because like nowadays you can be you can like, you know, post it on your Facebook page. And be like, Does anybody know what this is? Right. And somebody <laughs> like, will. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, especially the pipe band community, because it's so small. It's a niche. And you get those. I mean, we've got some of the nerdiest nerds in the world Ain't that the truth <laughs> in piping like guys that guys that have just memorized so many sets and who won what year and all that stuff i'm like oh man i could not imagine having that much information in my brain i'd rather practice yeah no that's that's so true i was just talking with another friend about well so, so i was talking with a piping friend about another piping friend happened to be my buddy mike swan uh who's been on the podcast a couple times and i was just mentioning this other piping friend like i have to ask mike swan what kind of drone reads I have because I can't remember, but he knows, <laughs> right? Like, uh, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> he knows what kinds of drone reads everybody has because he's that kind of guy who retains all that info. I mean, yeah, and even you know, you know, you think of the guys that are more in charge of like uh, the you know musical tone of the band and things like that. I mean, and a lot of a lot of times, um, you know, when we were in Northern Ireland, that was like the pipe sergeant was like kind of he was the tone guy because oh, he was yeah. like one of the older players in the band. But I mean, even even like in our band, uh, I guarantee. If I put a list of names of every piper in our band, uh, Fusco could probably write out what kind of bagpipes they play. Like, oh, really? <laughs> I, I guarantee it. He'd, he'd be like, this person plays McCrae's, this person's playing McCallum, Seymour McCrae's, mine's are Atherton's. Yeah, man, I, and I, I respect it. You know, I'm not making fun of anybody or anything like that. That's awesome. But I, I, I more, I'm more of just like, oh, those are bagpipes kind of guy, you know. I, I was that way for the vast majority of my, my piping career until like very recently, especially like starting out. Um, it's like when I was starting out, nobody, nobody really uh, took responsibility for their own instrument like they do nowadays. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, you know, you, you drag your horrific bundle of sticks to practice and you hand them to the pipe major. And, and they do like, everything. And you're like, please, please make this good, you yeah. know? And so there's no, there's not like really customization to your playing styles or strengths. And you're not, uh, it, you're, you're just like this operator of a thing that you don't fully understand. So you're never really going to have a 360 view of what needs to be done and how to maintain it. Yeah, I feel like have maybe hmm, I'm trying to think now. I've listened to so many hours of Chanterant. I can't remember if I heard it on your podcast. Oh, or you, if oh, you poor soul. <laughs> I don't even remember if I've heard you guys talking about it or if it's that uh, old good old Doogie has talked about it elsewhere. But like this, I how it's it seems like until recently, at least it seems like in my childhood, it was like a black magic, a secret art, something that was yeah. like held held secretly to the chest of a very few people how to do bagpipes, and the rest of us just had to you know, trust the wizards. It's yeah. And it's so crazy to me how far that's come. I mean, I've been playing for gosh, like 18 years now. And 
it's amazing to me how far that's come from like when I started where nobody knew anything about anything to like everybody is a like gear critic and like comparing drone reads and all this crazy stuff. Right, I'm like, yeah. it's great, right? Because I mean, you know, it's a rising tide lifts all ships, right? So the more people that know this kind of stuff, the better the overall quality of playing becomes, especially yeah. especially in America, where, you know, like, honestly, like, West Coast American bands are not regarded globally as, like, super great. You yeah, know? It's, <laughs> it's of, course, of course, it's us and all of our friends, so we don't want to come across as being degrading. Yeah. But the honest truth is we've got plenty of room to grow. Like, there's a yeah, lot. And, that and, you know, rise quite a bit over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, you hear, like, a grade 3A band uh, in Scotland, and then you hear, like, a grade 3 band here, uh, you know, with the, exception the of, <laughs> with the exception of the tremendous uh, winners. Oh, did they, did they win three, I think? Was it pa- Pasadena won three, I'm pretty sure, when they went to the Worlds? I, believe band, it. I mean, their band, their band's phenomenal, but holy, hell, the amount of work uh, that they put in as a team to get that to get that win is just yeah. insane. And then you go to like you know you go to like a grade four contest in Prescott, and it's like, no offense to anybody, but it's it's not the same, right? It's, it's like, just all not right, the same thing. Yeah. I'm gonna hear I'm gonna I'm gonna hear three uh, three bands play three attempts at Duncan McInnes, <laughs> right? Yeah. All, all with uh, all with glaring, glaring issues. Right. Yeah. But it's you know it's one of those things we talk about on the show sometimes. Uh, I, mean, I think we talked about this recently, where it's like, uh, you know, if you do everything right in your band, and you you bring a player in, and you cultivate them, and you make them a competent uh, instrument, competent on their instrumentation, competent on their tone, maintenance, and blowing, and you get them to be really good in your grade four band. They're just gonna leave and go play in a higher grade. Right. That's when they leave. <laughs> so yep. it's like, so it's like if you do your job, if you do your job perfectly, you get constant turnover. And if you do your job poorly, you just like have crap sound. You know, you have yeah. you have like the same you have the same people for ten years playing like crap. So you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't want it to come across in any way like like a discouraging thing at all, you know. But like that's that's where our our pipe band is set up. Well, at least originally has been set up like as an educational org- organization first. Like the main focus yeah. is get people in here and teach them how to play. And we also I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but Utah's pipe bands it seems in the past um, have been kind of kind of territorial, kind of tribal. Um, which is kind of a funny thing where there are so few people who play pipes, you'd think that we'd all just be. I don't know. I've heard some people actually blame it on the fact that, like, with alcohol laws, we haven't been able to have a real beer tent at games in Utah, and so we can't <laughs> yeah, really I've been, like, hang out. I've been to the I've been to the Utah games plenty of times. There's there's beer if you know where to look. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's, right. There's no uh, there's no worries there. There's some speakeasy tents here and there. Yeah, right? <laughs> but uh, but I mean, honestly, it's like that everywhere. Uh, you know, like we have like we're the only civilian band uh, in my area. And we've got like an Emerald Society band and like the fire service guys kind of have like a group that they put together to play. I don't want to, I don't want to like crap on them, but I don't want to call it a band because it's like four dudes. Well, if anybody wants to hear you crap on them, they can just hop over to the channel rant. Yeah, I'm about to say, they, can hop, they can hop over to my show. Uh, I, oh, well, the funniest thing is like I'm friends with a lot of those guys and like a lot of them listen to the show. Oh, yeah. So it's just doubly fun when like, I give them crap because it's like, dude, like, you know, come on, man, like you got ears. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what, do you want me, what do you want me to do about this? Yeah, like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're, you're a hero and all, but you know, tune your drones. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody to feel bad at all about this. Bring, you know, bringing it up, but the fact is that, like, 
like we're in this position where we we try really hard to bring a lot of people in and teach them how to play and then they with real raw talent you know we've had a lot of people who progress quickly and then you can't blame them for then going okay well you know i'm a young person with a with now this incredible you know playing ability on on the bagpipes or drums and this is a grade four or grade five band um I'm going to go play with the grade two band, you know, like, and who can blame them? You know, of course. Yeah, you, no, you and you to. gotta, and you gotta encourage that. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, the other thing, the other thing people forget, we talk about turnover. We talk about like bands, whatever, like, like that's your friends. Yep. Yep. Like the people in your band are like the people you hang out with a ton, like once a week and a lot of weekends. Yeah. So, so it's always, you know, it's always a little heartbreaking when they, you know, when they hit that point, they're like, Hey, I, I am going to, I'm going to play up. I think I can be better. But it's also your friend. You're like, dude, you should do it. Like, Absolutely, if you, yeah. if it's what you want, and you, and it's gonna make you a better musician, like, you have to do it. And even if you know people talk about it, like, oh, well, you know, you're gonna screw over your home band if you travel to play with a higher grade. It's like, I mean, yeah, sort of. But at the same time, like, I would never hold that against somebody. I'm like, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. you gotta do what you, you gotta do. What's good for you. And it's not like you're going to move to that place usually. So you still have a local player that's consistently improving themselves for everything else you do for instruction, for gigs, for all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody's going to travel to play in a higher grade band and then just like turn in their kill and be like, Oh, I'm not going to play with you guys, right, you know, weekly. Right. I'm only, I'm only going to practice once a month with my out of town band. Yep. Or, you know, seasons of life. They're, it's, it's, it's entirely likely that anyone who leaves one band, you know, later, you know, cause they have kids or their job changes or something, you'd be playing with them again. hundred uh, yeah, percent. I, I mean, was talking about this with Carrie Ann with uh, Wasatch and district the other day about how it's, 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 we could see it kind of like the, the hero's journey cycle where like, you know, you can send these people off to play with a grade three or grade two band and they might bring something back, you know, they might. Oh, they, they always will. I mean, send them race money. Send them to go play with a band at the worlds, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, those are the kinds of experiences where you always, it's always worth it. You always bring something back um, and, and it's valuable, you know, yeah. you gotta, you, you gotta basically work on you, you know, so you can work on other people. Yeah. Well, so it seems like when it comes down to it for lower grade bands, if, if the focus is, I want to keep everyone who comes in my doors and rise through the ranks, then we might be setting ourselves up for disappointment. But if the focus is, I want to make music and make friends um, and share this, you know, then we probably will never be disappointed. And so then as people come in, show talent and progress and move on to play with other bands, it's good for them. And they remain friends forever. And then that kind of tribalness between bands could start to break down as well, because then you have friends going out into all other bands. Yeah, I think I think so, for sure. I mean, I, you know, you wouldn't think it with the content of uh, our show because because we just love taking pokes at people because it's funny and that's yeah. what we do. We do <laughs> we do a comedy show. Don't don't let, hold on to that. I don't want you to lose that. I just want to throw in here real quick before I forget. I probably mentioned it in Addie's episode as well. If 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 you're okay with with uh, crazy language and nutsy shenanigans, I couldn't recommend the Channerant podcast highly enough. So check it out if you feel. But but when you do check it out, don't listen to it on loudspeakers at work or with your <laughs> yeah. kids in the room or something like that. Yeah, that, that's that's that would not be that would be ill advised. Yeah, I wouldn't my, do that. And my, my plug slash warning. Now you carry on. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know the thing for us is uh, we're. Uh, we're always in this place part of part of just because of like the kind of content that we like to consume and create but also just because of the way we are as individuals we're in this place where we're always like but what if we just pushed it a little more uh, like, yeah. what <laughs> is, like what like like you know it's 
how, and we and we've definitely had several occasions where we uh, went too far, like hundred percent. Yeah, and and then we gotta like, gotta make apologies. We gotta do all this stuff, and you know we're fairly sincere in what we do. Um, we're just as sincere when we're telling someone they're doing great as we are when they're telling someone that like, hey, this is crap. You know, like, yeah. like sorry, I'm. This is, I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I'm not Stuart Little, but uh, he wouldn't listen to this, so don't, you know, I'm the best you get. Yeah. But yeah, we just always kind of approach it from a point of being sincere. Um, it's such a small community that, you know, a lot of people look at it as I'm just going to hold my tongue so that I don't burn any bridges because it's such a small community. And for us, it's like I'm not going to hold my tongue, you know. And if I, and if I upset you, whatever, like you know, nine times out of ten, I'll talk, I'll reach out to these people, and I'm like, hey, like you know, I'm sorry that. You know, it was a little harsh, but like, dude, you can't you can't go through life uh, walking on eggshells. It's just not going to work. Yeah, especially not with bagpipers, man. Like, come on. Well, like, you you're know, a, you're a you're a pipe band. Buck up, kid. Yeah. Aside from your content being funny and often like very genuinely informative, not only when you have good guests on there, but you know, like there's some of the stuff from your first year when you guys were talking that really guided some of what I and other people in our pipe band did as far as decisions that we needed to make it's, it's really genuinely helpful um aside from that i think that part of the popularity of the chanarant is that it's cathartic for people to listen to and just be like oh they're just saying it like even when i disagree <laughs> sometimes i disagree with you guys but i don't ho- i don't mind disagreeing with you because it's such a relief to have people just go ahead and say it like no more that's, yeah tiptoeing. <laughs> we're uh we're no strangers to being wrong like <laughs> we've 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 uh, been wrong plenty of times in our 150 some odd episodes like yeah. we'll be wrong again uh you know that happens um we're kind of like a our our general mentality with the whole organization is like all right like it's it's better to like make a mistake and apologize for it than to not do anything because you're afraid to make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'll just uh, pull the trigger uh, and you know, call someone something horrible. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> don't don't do that, guys. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've and, we've, but like we've learned said, that lesson for you. You do apologize though, and I, and I oh, think yeah. it comes across as perfectly genuine. I think that's part of why some of the people who I know have been. Uh, deeply offended by the the chanterance <laughs> in the past still listen some of them yeah they still listen and some of them are even coming around to be guests on the show now because it's like you give it some time you realize like these guys you know it's 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 basically a private conversation that we all get to listen in on <laughs> yeah and and you know our our hearts are in the right place I, and we we've had very few occasions where like we had beef with someone and it was like we were genuinely like mad at that person sure yeah like usually we're just like, hey, you know, don't, don't be an a hole, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on, you know. And and sometimes we're we're the you know the the old saying is if you uh, if you're going through life, and uh, you run into an a hole, then you ran into an a hole. If you go through life and every person that you run into is an a hole, you're the a hole. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I kept that I kept that pretty PG for you, man. You see how I did there? Hey, I appreciate it. It was really kind of you. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say I um. I listened to that episode of the Scaled Down podcast. First of all, I thought it was funny that this is a podcast, for anybody who hasn't heard it before, mm-hmm. that focuses on people in sort of the creative space and how their relationships work. It is, and yeah. And so a lot of these thumbnails are of like married couples. <laughs> and then this thumbnail of you and Andy, <laughs> yep. I noticed that you're like six feet apart with 
two women between you just to make absolutely sure that nobody suspects that you happen to be think, a romantically uh, involved couple. Was that the, was that the, sh- I think that was the showgirls. Yep. Definitely played, a yeah. couple of showgirls. Yeah. And so it's like, let's just make absolutely sure everybody knows that we are, we are hetero and we are, <laughs> this was pre-COVID, well, yeah. you're, but you're social distancing in a wonderful way from each other. Me and, uh, me, anybody that knows uh, me and Sko uh, definitely know our history of, uh, often imbibing too much and partaking of the feminine form. Let's just put it that way. All right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) speaking of imbibing too much, then I look at the the show notes from this episode, right? And a few things that stood out to me as I'm this, keep in mind, this is me getting ready to interview you, right? Yeah. Uh, Okay. How'd it go for these guys? Let's see. Um, Let's see. We've got, uh, Josh gets drunk about halfway through and starts to slur his words <laughs> as we try to get past his game show host personality. Yep. Uh, then, then we have um, this. This part was great. Uh, if you learned a few new words or all of a sudden you think that we're devil worshippers after this episode, we can't blame you. <laughs> like, all right. Yep. This is the guy I'm interviewing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're, they're so fun and they have such a, like such a, interest i don't know how much you know about them but i would look into some of their early episodes if you haven't heard the scale down podcast they have such an interesting history and such a strong relationship like it makes so much sense for those two to be people who are interviewing people about their relationships and for mm-hmm. us it was you know it was a creative relationship right it's like i've been doing been doing creative stuff with sco for i don't even know how long 15 years maybe yeah. who knows yeah and not uh, uh... Aside from a lot of other projects, I will give, with no warning, just a complete 100% plug. If anybody has not looked at the excellent content that the Las Vegas Pipe Band has on YouTube, you you got to get on there. <laughs> There's some stuff that's really good and informative. I love the interview with Stuart Little, for example, stuff like that. But my favorite stuff are these, like, The Cost of a Wicked Tinker, <laughs> Andy wearing a, a dollar bill t-shirt. <laughs> Oh yeah, and like so much of that stuff, because because we were we decided I I had just moved back to Vegas. I was uh, living in Reno for about five years. I was doing school, and then I moved back to Vegas. And uh, I like you know got back involved with the band pretty quickly. Um, I hadn't played in a while, so I was getting my playing back up. Uh, I would love to say because I was focusing on my studies, but no, I was, a, <laughs> I was in college, man. I was having a good time. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, I come back and the band had already kind of the leadership of the band at the time. So Andy was a pipe major. And then we had a president, um, Evelyn, at the time, who was awesome. She was a piper and then she was a president. She just had, you know, she was so far ahead of the curve of like content type things. And like, here's the channels where we should start growing the band to get more exposure. Mm. And they were like, yeah, you know, we want, we want to do some YouTube stuff. Um, and Josh moved back and I had a background doing like, you know, videography, uh, you know, audio and all kinds of any, anything you have to edit on a computer. Basically, I was like, yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah. And they're like, they just gave me the keys and ran with it. <laughs> they're like, all right. So we, I mean, I remember in that first couple, those first couple of years, like we were doing a video, like we were po- posting one video a week. Um, no matter what we had like four different kind of like types of content that we would be shooting. And it would, and that's, you know, that's how it was. It was like, it was, we're going to have some serious stuff where we're doing interviews and whatever. Um, Cause we have people traveling through all the time. Uh, we're going to do, you know, performance stuff, obviously from the concert. Cause we worked so hard on that. We should start filming it and like getting good filming for it. Yeah. That is, I was telling Andy, that is what I think all pipe bands should aspire to for like community outreach concerts. That Celtic Thanksgiving is amazing. 
Oh man, it's and it's so much fun. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's an absolute organizational nightmare leading up to it. But like, once you're stepping out on stage, it's just like the best. It's the most fun that you never want to have again. You know? Yeah. Um, and then so we were doing that stuff, and then you know we are two goofballs, so we're like, hey, we got some ideas for some stuff that we think would people would think is funny. You know, yeah. like pipe band people. Pipe band people might think this is funny, and they always kind of drove a thing, right? I mean, the 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 dollars <laughs> the dollars taped to a half naked Andy Fusco was uh that was a bit to sell fundraising t-shirts it's such we, a good way to sell I've we, we've tried to sell t-shirts before and we didn't have that kind of a good idea it's such a good pitch yeah it's so, good. so like so they're like hey like we should do a video to sell the shirts like blah 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 and like we had come up with some ideas that were like pretty straightforward or whatever I was like I was like man we need something that's like gonna immediately make people stop and click and, yeah. was, and just that picture of Andy <laughs> with the with the dollars taped all over him and we we have this saying whenever, whenever we're filming content uh, and you'll hear it sometimes on the show too I definitely came up when we did the shock collar episode yeah but we but like we're constantly saying like, oh, this is this is the new like dumbest thing that we've ever done, <laughs> you know. By the and way, somehow the, that bar keeps raising. Yeah, you do, you wouldn't think or lowering, right? One way or the yeah, other. Yeah, or lowering <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah, the that shock collar episode was actually the first episode that I've ever gone onto Patreon to watch, so I could get every single minute of it. Oh I was like, my I, god! I don't want the edited version of this. I want every last was, little bit. It was uh, that's that's genuine pain that you're seeing. I can I can vouch <laughs> for that. But yeah, like when we when we uh, when we talked about the shock collar idea, we had no idea how much that thing was gonna hurt. And like by the time that we had realized our error, we were like, we're about to record, and we'd already it's advertised too late. it. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention you're raising money for kids with cancer, so you couldn't. Well, yeah, that yeah, no. Like we told people, like people had already sent in donations before we hit record. We were like, oh man, like we, we gotta we gotta do this now. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that was a that was a full send, and um, I never want to do it again. And I feel like we're never not gonna do it. So I'm just gonna <laughs> slowly steal myself for next time I have to get yeah, electrocuted. Yeah, just electrocute yourself once every morning or something to start oh, getting into it. Right? Uh, it was bad because <laughs> I, I it was so funny because I had shocked myself uh, before uh, Fusco had come over, and so I knew. <laughs> it's like and he's like he's like he's like how is it? I was like oh it's bad. He's like, uh, he's like, really? And he was my favorite part from that episode. And I don't think it made it into the YouTube like compilation video because yeah. the compilation video was just the just the the, the hits. You know, yeah. it was just us getting zapped and swearing. And uh, <laughs> I loved like the whole first like thirty minutes of that show because he was so visibly terrified for when <laughs> it was going to be his turn because he saw me getting hit and you know yeah. he, he's like he's like uh, I know. No, Josh, like he's kind of a tough son of a bee. Like if, if he's jumping like this, this is going to hurt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I was, I was like, yeah, dude, like, I, oh, it was so funny. And then, and then my other favorite part, cause, uh, my girlfriend was actually the one that was administering. Right. Did that our, strengthen our your relationship or has that become a wedge? <laughs> <laughs> I, every time I see her reach for a remote control, I, I sweat. Like a little Pavlov's I, dog thing going yeah, on. <laughs> I, uh, she reaches for the TV remote and I sweat a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so it was fun because, uh, she, you know, she, uh, never gets to like do a channel Rainy stuff with us usually. Yeah. And well, so that maybe w- that's actually safest. Right? And she had, yeah, oh, it's definitely safest. That, it'll definitely extend the, the length of my relationship. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so she had her just cackling in the background <laughs> while we are being tortured. I was, she had so much fun and I was just like, ah. 
Well, at least it's, you, it's a you nice know. moment. We got to share, um, you know, it's like, hey, this is, you know, this is what it's like to do the show. It's often <laughs> it's often insane, you know. And now you came away with like this really great insight uh, as to how to bring your significant other a lot of joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let them just let them uh, shock you with a dog collar. <laughs> they'll, they'll get a kick out of it. Although I think she enjoyed shocking Andy more. Oh, that's that's probably good. I mean, she comes back to you or something, right? But it's just one of those weird things. I, I'm always, always wondering. I'm always wondering. I've been wondering since we started the Pipe uh, In YouTube channel. When does the well run dry? You know, mm, yeah. of just like just like weird, crazy ideas, and it hasn't yet, and it's been a long time. So I feel confident that we'll always come up with something new and stupid. Yeah, Robin Banks or something know, like that. Yeah, I mean, you can, you know, you all, and I think one of the content so popular, both the, both like the video and like the videos, because people can tell we're having a good time. And, and at the end of the day, the day the pipe band is, right, band is, right, it's, I mean, don't be me wrong, there's, there's long crap practices and long crap parades, but like, there's so much more to it, like, in terms of expanding your friend group and traveling and seeing places and meeting new and interesting people and, and calling them swear words on the radio, like, you know, there is... Just a, it's just a fun, fun world to be a part of, and yeah. we're very we're very fortunate that um, people want to watch our shenanigans. Well, they sure do. They, your shenanigans are excellent. Not, not not to inflate your ego too much, but you got some good shenanigans going on. Now, now, as I looked around trying to find dirt on you, I did find Josh Mick Ekron, who is a uh, footballer in the UK who was making <laughs> one and a half million pounds as of 2014. That's not you. No, I definitely, I definitely took the wrong career path there, but I don't think I can run that much. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I got, I've only been on a real football pitch once or twice in my life, and it blows my mind how big they are. They're, They're humongous. I play, yeah. fo- I, play ba- I play soccer like on a basketball court during the winter, you know, and like that yeah. gets me tired. But, man. People, people talk about, people talk about uh, like football fields, like American football fields right, being right. like, oh, man, well, I could run an American football field. And it's like, dude, th- these guys could run an American football field. 700 times like <laughs> yeah, yeah like i was like, I was like you got nothing bro. not to mention kick a ball across it yeah well, i'm uh that that, that doesn't uh i didn't let's just say growing up in the uh, southwestern united states there wasn't a lot of uh soccer yeah <laughs> a lot of soccer lot, going on for me with that, huh? but what <laughs> nah, did you go just, on with you that's that's what i want to ask you about you're you're josh mac ekron is that how you'd pronounce it mac ekron uh yeah mac ekron mac ekron mac ekron yeah it's a cool last nice, name and I like nice nice russian name Nice Russian name. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a this is a Easter egg uh, for your for your audience that nobody else knows. My middle name is actually Angus. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it's Josh Angus MacEckard. Well, that that is just about as on I mean, point as you could get. Yeah. Like if I bagpipes. yeah, if I'm not gonna play bagpipes and wear a kilt, what the heck am I gonna yeah. do with that kind of a name? So so then take me back to little take me back to little Josh. Uh, where where'd you come from? What do you like? What did you like as a kid? When did you first hear bagpipes? Uh, give me a biopic. Yeah, so I uh, I am from Las Vegas, where I currently live. I'm I'm one of the rare born and bred Las Vegans. Um, and then yeah, growing up, I played uh, I played guitar first, and so I was playing guitar in like crap garage rock bands, as one does when they're very young. Oh yeah, what I did find something, em- emu love fest. Is that oh what? god, is that your <laughs> band name? Was it emu love fest? That was one of the bands I played in. Uh, that was my band. I think it was in like middle school and high school. It's a great name. I think. Great yeah, name. that was and that was me and uh, just me and three of my friends. Uh, you know, kids that 
what kid that lived in my neighborhood, a couple friends from school, kind of a rotating cast. My brother was in the band for a while. He played uh, he played bass for us. Now, uh, and we were we were easily the loudest band in Las Vegas. Easily the loudest, huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't say the best, but. <laughs> I, I don't I I think we probably graduated high school around the same time, probably within a year or two of each other. I was born in eighty nine. Oh yeah, yeah. So I graduated oh nine. Okay. So I graduated so I graduated two years ahead of you. Um Yeah. So it seems to me I'm just thinking like music genres that were cool at the time, what would kids have been playing? Like were you doing like like emo y stuff or were you doing like uh like screamo stuff what like wh- who were you following were you following slipknot or were you following um you know uh, my chemical romance what, what kind of we stuff were we were weird man so we played because you're right like around that time especially going like local shows there's like three genres right yeah like in here in vegas you'd go to a local show and it was like screaming death metal yeah um or ska and that was basically you know mm-hmm. like that's what you had yeah. and then in our bands we uh like we all listened to such different music it was really weird so we, I don't know how I would describe us. It was like, um, maybe like, like freaking Hootie and the Blowfish meets Smashing Pumpkins or something like that. Like it was, okay. we, we had all these, and like some of our songs, we had this weird mix. Cause like I was writing, uh, I think I wrote about the vast majority of the songs I wrote. Musically and, and lyrically. Yeah. And, um, and they were so weird because like, <sighs> I still, I was still me. So like, I was still like writing funny stuff and like, you know, stuff that I thought would be fun. So, and we had songs that would be in, but mind you, this was, this was a long time ago, kids. So we had songs that would be in very poor taste today as far as their subject content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we had like some serious ones and then we had, you know, we'd have a serious song about like, uh, like drinking and drug abuse. And then we'd follow it up with a song that was like, called she must be a lesbian because and like the the point of the song was that like this chick didn't want to go out with me and so that that's the only logical conclusion of course. Uh, yeah yeah that's the only logical conclusion and you know it's it's a it's like the 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 song when you listen to the whole song like it's more making fun of me it's not like saying oh like you know this chick uh she must be a lesbian because she won't date me it's like how could someone be so self-involved and idiotic right, right. that they would that they would think a girl just doesn't like dudes if they don't like that dude you yeah. know of course, on the surface, a title like that doesn't exactly yeah. seem. Uh... And it was weird. It had like it had like this kind of like a, a reggae beat uh, verse, like a type thing, and then you know the chorus was just like full on power chords, just going nuts. And then yeah, and then we had like some like more punk rock stuff. We had some more like weird, crappy rock ballad type ones that were never as popular. The songs I hated the most were always the most popular songs. Now, and what did you have? Yeah, you you were you playing guitar then? Your brother on bass. You had somebody on yeah. keyboard and someone on drums. So I was so I was playing uh, I was playing lead guitar and I was vocals um, oh, I for the vast majority of the songs. I, I had a couple covers that I didn't have to sing on, which was great because I could just rock out and sit in my corner and enjoy myself. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I played guitar and sang, and then I had another uh, really good friend of mine, uh, best friend for years, uh, who played guitar and sang. And then my brother played bass, and then my like childhood friend that lived behind my folks' place played drums. Mm. In a, he lived behind my folks' place in another house. He was in the same neighborhood. It's not like <laughs> not like in a refrigerator box. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have a tent set up in your parents' backyard there. And yeah, that's what we did, right? Uh, we would get together after school, and we'd take over the garage in my folks' place, and just uh, I'm God bless my parents and their neighbors for putting up with us. It's a good childhood. I mean, that sounds like a great childhood. But we had fun, so you know I'd be playing in bands and stuff. And um, but you know before that I was playing guitar just myself before I was in any bands. 
go and go and uh well there's a bleep for you go and you know 20 minutes back to when you actually asked me a question right, uh, th- that i went on this tangent for that's what that's that's sort of the um that's sort of the uh the model for this uh, yeah. for the show so don't worry about it yeah so i uh so i had gone to i don't remember if it was uh it might have been a renaissance fair here Okay, I don't think that's, we, that's the beginning of every good story. I'm not sure, yeah, but it might have been a Renaissance fair. Because I don't, I don't remember us having. I don't think we actually had like a legit Highland Games at the time. I think this was before we had a legit Highland Games. Mm-hmm. And uh, saw bagpipes. Someone was playing. I couldn't tell you who it was. Save my soul. But someone was playing bagpipes. And I was like, oh, you know, like I was like, that's really cool and like really loud. Like that's awesome. I would like. I'd love to learn how to you know play that. Yeah, and, it's actually, and, this is lining up for me just hearing about your childhood, that bagpipes are cool, kind of quirky, can be funny, and very loud. And that's kind of your criteria for music. That right? checks checks all my boxes, yeah. man. And so, so, and I was, I was probably like 12 at the time. And uh, yeah, and so my, my dad, who was like stoked on the idea of me playing bagpipes, because um, he loved pipe music and, you know, things like that. Uh, and he didn't play any instruments, nothing. Uh, so he's like, he's like, oh, like, heck yeah, dude. So he uh, looked up the band, um, which is now the Las Vegas Pipe Band. At the time, it was called uh, the Desert Sky Pipe Band. Mm-hmm. And they did lessons. And, uh, that you know, the rest, as they say, is uh, history. I went to lessons every week and grew up in pipe band and went to competitions and did solos and traveled. And, nice. And then just kind of just kind of helped out where I could. Now... Okay, so, but you but you left you you so that you, you played with Desert Sky. Then you left when you came back to Vegas. Was it still Desert Sky, or, or had it been rebranded at that point? To um, I th- think they changed it. I want to say they might have changed it before I left. Gotcha. I'm not entirely sure. That's a yeah. The timeline is a little fuzzy for me, just due to years of substance abuse. But um. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think it I think we had changed it to Las Vegas Pipe Band before I left, and then I came back, and it's so funny because like while I was gone, the band had like thirty people in it, and then I came back, and it was you know it was, like five guys. You I'm like, what the to hell? chase them away or something? Huh? I no, I, I just moved back. I'm like, where the hell are all the players? I saw I saw a video of you guys. There was thirty people in the band. Yeah. Where did everybody go? But you know, you get people. People got married. People moved. People, you know, kids went to college. Like yeah, that stuff happens, man. It's band is super. Flowing, yeah. It's super cyclical. Like you, you're. No matter how high you are, eventually you're going to be down. And no matter how down you are, eventually you'll be high again. Yes. And that, I mean, I think that does play into what we were talking about earlier about how, like, you, you got to set, sort of set your sights on things that will be, can be consistently there forever. Like, you're building friendships, you're having fun playing music. Because even, even for, like, a grade four band, you know, that it's good to plan to move up, you know, but all the, all your best laid plans, you know, people are going to get married, go to school, et cetera, you know. Well, and people playing, I mean, I'm always a fan of people playing with other bands uh, when you talk about musical development, just because, you know, one of the biggest issues you run into um, that I've seen, especially with people who play consistently for a long time at what would be considered a lower level. So I've been playing, you know, I've been playing a grade four band for, you know, eight years, and that's all I do. You're going to fall into a rut fairly quickly. And, and, you know, musical complacency will, uh, it will harm you in every aspect of the instrument. It'll harm you in your finger work. It'll harm you in your uh, blowing ability and your, you know, upkeep of your instrument. You know, so the good news is if you go play with someone else for a bit, you have to learn new music, right? Mm-hmm. And that makes yeah. you better. Like people, people get stuck in a repertoire of 10 tunes for an right. entire, so true. Yeah. for an entire piping career. I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. You need that. You need that push and pull that sort of 
two different balances. I talk about this with my with my students that like I want them to work hard because by working hard you'll be able to do things that are fun. But I also want you to have fun because if all you ever do is work, you'll you'll just hate the bagpipes. So you need that like something to shake it up sometimes. And sometimes the best thing to shake it up is playing with a different organization. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's easy it's easy to do with a different organization because you don't you don't have to self motivate. Yeah, they'll tell I you. I mean, learn these yeah. tunes by this day. You can, yeah, you could have you could have a ten tune repertoire in your grade four band, right? Okay, we have two competition sets and a parade set. Cool. Um, you could still have that and learn a new tune every week if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. But people, but you know, it's just creating barriers. And I've you know throughout a very long career of trying to teach and motivate people, the easier you can make it, or the more you can force it, the better, the more likely people are to do it. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. One of these, uh, one of these shadow projects that you've got fingerprints on, um, but I don't think your name appears anywhere on it, is the Dojo's uh, Bagpipers Planner. Uh, yes. That <laughs> Are you this su- is going to be... I, am I supposed this to is gonna be this? Is this not this, supposed this is, to be known? <laughs> no, no, that, and that's easy. Um, that actually was the, the, the brainchild of Andrew Douglas. I mean, he, he, it's his creative input on every aspect of that. I was just the... Uh, I was just the designer, basically. So, yeah. yeah so he, he knew what he wanted. Um, I made a few like helpful things aesthetically and functionally, but he came to me and he's like, "Hey, I want to make a book. I want to do it in a week. Like, I already know what I want." And I was like, "All right, let's do it." Gotcha. Well, I like it. I've been using it, but kind of, sort of, just on the on the topic, you know, of sort of self motivation. Um, I feel like you're a say, having listened to you talk for many hours, uh, Josh, I feel like you, you're, how would I describe it? You have a healthy, a healthy grasp on reality, or maybe you're, you've got a healthy pessimism about you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think that'd be fair. So I think I can say to you, and you'll understand what I mean, that my life is a series of failures. And <laughs> not, not that I'm getting down in the dumps here, but like, that's just, it's the way it is, you know, it's like, how many times have I said to myself, I'm going to learn this tune or I'm going to practice every day at this point, after having been, you know, I've been playing bagpipes for getting closer to 20 years, uh, all the time now, uh, I fail over and over again constantly. And just in January, I did an episode with my buddy, Mike, and I was like, all right, I'm going to do the dojo hundred day challenge. I've got this, uh, Piper's planner. It's going to help me. Um, let's get back together and talk in a hundred days. I'll tell you what, it's been about 90 days since then. And I've played my pipes. I'm looking at my check marks right now. I'm not going to count every single one, but rounding up 25 times. Oh, no. <laughs> so here I am sitting on failure once again. Uh, like, what do I do with this? You know, and this is, you know, because I think a lot of us go through this where we, we get motivated for a day. You know, and it's not just piping, but this is about piping. You know, this podcast is for pipers, right? And, yeah. And, and drummers, yeah. of course. Don't let me let the drummers out. Uh, go, go get out of here, drummers. <laughs> yeah. Go, go go tap on your steering wheel. I ain't got nothing for you right now. But like, I know you just barely go tap on your steering wheel. That's good. <laughs> I know you just got a new set of pipes, so that's something that motivates you. Like, I mean, like, what what do you do? Or what? Like, even if you can't look at your own life as a model, like, what wisdom would you shed on this? Like, you know, like, what <laughs> I do would. I, do? I would definitely not look at my life as a model because <laughs> I too, it is a uh, symphony of failures. Um, you know, but it's like that with anything, right? I mean, yeah. look at it. Look at the the. The pain of trying to do right versus not doing is you're gonna fail like mm-hmm. often. You're gonna fail often and consistently, and you know you, you need you kind of need to develop that uh, 
realization that, you know, if I was, if my goal is to go to the gym every day for 30 days and I only do 15, you know, yeah, I could look at that as a failure because I did half of what I wanted to do, but I did 50% more than nothing also. Right. That's that second bit there. I think that that is what I have a hard time hanging on to sometimes. So you got to, and, and, you know, you got to mantra that. I mean, I mean, for me, I've, I've got, I've got a healthy list of screw ups in my personal, professional, uh, hobbyist career. But you know, it's like, you gotta, what's, what's the alternative, I guess, you know, like you're not going to get, I can sit on the couch and, and binge more Netflix, I guess. But like, that's not going to bring me as much joy as like nearly getting to a goal, you know? If I, if I go tried it and I got, I think I watched all of Netflix. I'm bored with it now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like one, you have to, and this was a, this was a hard thing for me, uh, especially during the pandemic because I had such a hard time self-motivating and I was so down in the dumps uh, because I wasn't seeing my, you know, I wasn't going out to my band once a week. Yeah. And even a crap practice is better than no practice. So true. So, you know, and I got down to the dumps and I wasn't playing. I mean, I probably didn't pick up my pipes for the first six months of quarantine. Yeah. Because I was just, I didn't, and I was like, you know, on the, on the, on the outside of that now, like looking back, I'm like, oh, what an idiot, right? Because it's something that I enjoy doing. The, this, the simple act of me getting my instrument out and playing it would have lessened my depression, which would have made me more likely to continue playing. You know what I mean? Like right, it's a, it, it's a feedback loop, but yeah, when you're that's, in, that's the tricky thing about depression, right? It makes it so you can't do the thing that would yeah, when you're, when you're inside of it, right? It's just, it's really hard. You, you don't really, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? Yeah. Like it's really hard to figure that out. And so like, I totally get it. You know, uh, if you, if you're going to do this for a while and I'm hoping that, you know, all of the people that we associate with and the people that are listening are going to stick with it and do it for a while. You're going to have to get used to getting knocked down, dude. Like that just happens. Yeah. It's, it's not like show me a person that has just without any, uh, personal, physical, psychological, uh, emotional struggle, like picked up their pipes consecutively for 500 days and submitted to contests and showed up to band and all that stuff. And just, just been like a perfect little piper. Like that person doesn't exist. So don't, don't try to be that person. Just be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to, of course, like lower the bar, like all of us, it's good to set goals and like try to do better and stuff. But like, it seems to me like maybe part of the, what part of the thing that becomes challenging is that we might assume that, you know, if I go, if I go like almost 90 days and only play my pipes 25 times during those 90 days, I'm probably assuming without even thinking about it, that everyone else in my band played their pipes every single day. They probably didn't even play them once in those 90 days. (laughs) And that's maybe I need maybe I need a little bit more of a superior attitude about myself and just assume that I'm doing way better than everybody else in the world, which also isn't true. But maybe that's healthier. Probably not. See, that's supposed to be a joke, right? But. Yeah, and I and I couldn't I couldn't recommend the hundred day challenge enough because one, it's an incredibly supportive, awesome group. Uh, two, it's a great way to just I mean, one tune on your instrument once a day is like that's not gonna kill you. You know, that's not hard. Yeah. And once you once you get into the rhythm, it's you know, it's any it's the genius in a lot of Doogie stuff is that it's habit forming. So you're forming habits without realizing you're forming them. Yeah, I I attempted the 100 day challenge probably like a year ago. I made it to like day 35 and then failed. And I was like, oh, you know, I suck. Like, oh, poor me. I started again. I think I'm on like day 12 today or something. I'm going to play probably right after this. Um, 
and it's like it's so funny how it became a thing that I like, I look forward to. Yeah, I'm like I'm, I'll be going through my day. I'll be doing all this. Like, ooh, I want to play my backpacks when I get home. Like, right. yeah. That's one thing that like when I talked with my with my buddy Swan in that habits episode that we did, um, we talked about like how do you remove barriers? How do you you know set up uh, sort of triggers and reminders, things like that. And when I the the playing that I have done in the last ninety or so days has come in like starts and stops like i play consistently for six or seven days at a time Mm -hmm. and what often has happened is like one thing that i decided to do that i'd never done before is i just kept my bagpipes out and so like at the end of the day i turn off my computer that's when i play a tune you know so they're right there not yeah (laughs) you can't you can't see right now but uh, I'm, i'm sitting at my desk in my office and behind me my case is open my bagpipes are fully assembled except for the chanter which is in a you know it's in it's like a little humidifier cap like just ready to rock for that yeah. exact same reason right cuz you just go in you slot them together bang out it i mean i i do uh, i post a video of me playing mm, every day for my helps, yeah. for my 100 days so and you don't have to do that you can just say that you did it but I was like, you know, it's fun. I get to play for people that I don't know. And, you know, I get I get uh, told that my blow stick's too long every single day by Andrew Douglas. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I just have like a little phone tripod in my room. I set it up. I hit record. I bang out a tune or two. And then, boom, I just post it. I mean, the whole process from tuning to posting probably takes me about 10 to 15 minutes. And it's like, dude, who doesn't have 10 to 15 minutes? Yeah, so you've removed barriers, makes it easier to do it, right? Yeah, and then, you know, sometimes you pipes are sounding pretty good, or I've had a couple beers, and I'm in the yard playing because it's nice out, and I'm like, oh, you know, let's bang out like five or six more tunes. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that's the idea behind the 100-day challenge, right? It's like the it's 100% the low, idea. Just one yeah. tune, but of course, once you're playing that one tune, you'll be like, oh, I'm going to play a little more. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone everyone gets that point to where, like, I've had a few of them where it's, like, getting kind of late at night, and I'm like, oh, crap, like, I don't want to don't bug my neighbors too much. I'm going to do one and done. Right, right, right. But, you know, it's just, and it's, it's just getting, it's just building that habit, you know, put your instrument together, tune your instrument, uh, get everything going, bang out a tune, mark it off, mark the day off. Yeah. Well, and that's, as I look back over the, where my, where my empty spaces are, where I didn't play for four or five or even six days at a stretch, it almost always is the day following a funeral. I go play a funeral and then I come back and I leave my pipes in the case and the next oh, day, yeah. I don't pick them up, and then I'm out. So, like, I haven't established a habit yet because I never go more than you know five or six days. See, here's here's what you need to do. You need to you have a smartphone in your in your pocket. I'm assuming. Yeah. All right. Take that smartphone out and set an alarm for six thirty every single day. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And just six thirty bagpipe time, baby. Like. Yeah. I'm gonna set, I'm gonna pull the soundbite out of this episode of of Josh Mc. And now I'm afraid of saying your last name wrong. Mc- Don't worry McEachern. about it. McEachern, that's McEachern, me. McEachern saying, um, bagpipe time, baby. And that's going to be my alarm. That's it. Yeah. Bagpipe time, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> and, and it's so funny because you do see, you see rapid improvement one. I mean, like I said, for me, it's part of my day that I look forward to now. It's never like, oh, I got up in my bagpipes. It's like, oh, like sweet. I'm going to bang out a tune when I get home. Right. Now and I, then, then it's just then it's just trying to figure out what to play because you know by day fifty the repertoire is going to be getting a little right. thin. Yeah, if you're keeping track in like this bagpipe uh, in the Piper's Planner here, you write down what you played on each day, and like yeah. I have noticed, like oh, I play the same four tunes quite a bit, don't I? Maybe I should try some of these. Let's dig up some tunes from high school or something. Yeah, I did one. I posted. I think it was the one I posted yesterday, and I was like, ah, crap! I have to do a quick one because I had a bunch of stuff to do later that day. 
And uh, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to dust off my old like grade three uh, MSR stress bay and like see how that's hanging up. It could use some work. So yeah. if I end up <laughs> if I end up recording that one again over the next hundred days, I'll be OK with that because I will hopefully be able to see improvement. Yeah, see improvement, right? <laughs> it's progress there. Now, and it, it, it was so funny, too, because you can like it, like in the video, you can see my speed start to ramp up as my dogs are about to knock over my tripod <laughs> that has my phone on it. I'm just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> The um you and you and uh Andy's soon to be significant other, right? Beer boy Brad, you guys are doing this little competition on, on the dojo, right? Yeah, so we've been working on it's so funny too, because I'm so behind on edits for this, like I am on edits for everything. Um but we decided that we're like, hey, let's do because we both play we both play uh like video games. Yeah. And so we like we'll game together sometimes. Like, hey, let's let's do the dojo like it's a video game, basically. Yeah. Um, cause you can get like points and you can get achievements and all that kind of stuff. Is Andrew Douglas going to provide a boss at the end? Did oh, he's definitely, this? he's definitely the boss battle. He is 100%. the boss. <laughs> he's the boss battle. We'll have to get through some of the, some of the sub bosses like, uh, like Carl and people like that first. Right, but, right. um, but yeah, so we're like, Hey, let's do that. And it's super simple right now. We're, we're going to try to come up with some ways to use it up. Um, but it's just Josh and Brad beat the dojo. Basically we kind of get together once a week and we record, a recap of like what did we do did we get a lot done did we not get a lot done did we do any cool classes or do we just grind through stuff and then that's it we just like we literally post that and we're just keeping track you know of how did we do in the dojo recently and who's who's getting more points and who has to take punishment shots at the end of the episode and is that is the competition points specifically or is it also street creds which belt level you are Cause, yeah you know, like they've got like the it's, dojo has a few things like that right it's specifically points right now um you know we, we might get but but our goal and the thing we set out for us like wh what if we try to 100 percent the dojo you know like what if we try to do everything yeah, that they have try to do it all yeah. there's no way we could ever do it right because it's it's massive it is huge yeah but it's fun because like all right cool like you know and you know it gives me an excuse to get on get on zoom and uh chat with one of my friends about nerdy bagpipe stuff once a week so who wouldn't take that yeah something we're all lacking at present right yeah I, so it's it's been fun i i've tried i try like not just with bagpiping but with like all, all aspects of my life i'm constantly trying like new apps or like bullet journaling or all kinds of stuff to like get myself you know focus more on work learn a language uh work out play bagpipes all this stuff be a better dad all kinds of things you know and uh i did i did use an app for a little while have you ever heard of this app called habitica habitica no i have not it's like you it's like an rpg you get a character and you just you set your own goals and how many points you're going to get for each goal and then you get you know you can buy like you know armor swords stuff like that and you fight you fight little bosses with the like xp that you gain <laughs> from doing your chores basically <laughs> that's awesome yeah basically no reason for me to insert that little plug for an app but there you go this episode this episode yeah. <laughs> of droning on brought to you by habitica habitica yeah. Play your bagpipes. <laughs> they'll probably they'll probably take that. They're probably cool. <laughs> now I see on your your LinkedIn profile, Josh, that you're uh, you're a freelance marketer. You're a nonprofit executive director. You're an EMT student. Is that done? Are you getting close to finishing up? Yeah. So I've actually I've uh, finished all of my like didactics, my psychomotor skills stuff, um, and then I have at the end, uh, I believe at the end of this month, maybe mid month. I got I should probably look that up. I have to do a uh, written examination basically that's the only thing i've left and then i'm then i'm emt josh Woo! 
do you do you not want to say or do, are, is this headed in a certain direction are you headed for police or fire or emt specifically or hospital? uh yeah yeah so i i actually was working as a communications and marketing director for a nonprofit organization a medical nonprofit organization mm. uh, for a couple of years and uh it, well you know it just wasn't a good fit and I, I got tired of uh sitting at a desk staring at a computer making other people money all day yeah so I, I decided, I was like, hey, you know, like I'm going to try to find a new gig. And I had a lot of friends that are actually here in Vegas in the fire service. Um, and they're like, hey, like, you know, you should, it's like, you should come work for the fire department. I was like, all right, so what do I need to do? Oh, that's awesome, man. So I did the, did my EMT training during the pandemic, which was interesting for sure. Um, and then, yeah, just applying to, applying to different jobs, finish my certifications. I got to get a lot more education, obviously, but it's, it's going to be, I'm going to be, uh, the oldest dude in the Academy if I get in, but that'll be <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> You'll be able to tell the young whippersnappers about real life. Hey, I may be the oldest guy in the, in the Academy, but I'll be the best guy in the service band. All right. <laughs> that's the real, that's the real motivation here, right? you, you tired of being one of the fish in the sea you want to be the big fish in a small yeah, pond right? I'm like all right guys let's <laughs> all right <laughs> take your bagpipes apart <laughs> now our band we've gone over to the vegas uh games a couple times um and it's really great you mentioned before that it wasn't there before um but you've been a big deal with the games right like for a minute now like a few years uh yeah so i think when I started volunteering with the games, uh, with the Las Vegas Celtic Society, which is a nonprofit organization that runs the event, uh, 2005, maybe. So I was like 15. And most of the work I did back then was like operational. So, you know, make sure I got ticket booths up. I got fencing in place. I've got ground crews, uh, doing track. Like, you know, my, I was the, uh, Swiss army knife of like, something's broke. Uh, call Josh. So yeah, can send fix a it. kid to do it. Yeah, like Josh is like something's broke. We don't know how to fix it. Uh, someone call Josh on the radio. He'll know how to fix it. Yeah, he's got some bailing twine and a pair of pliers. He'll be dude. Fine. Yeah, man, I got, I got, <laughs> I'm, I'm still finding zip ties in my five elevens, man. <laughs> but yeah, so I did that for years, um, and then I kind of did, I kind of worked uh, more on the planning side for a while, and then obviously you know I went to school, and then uh, I would come back. I would come back for the games every year to run ground crews. I just set up the event, run the run the ground crews, tear down the event. It was a pain in the ass, but you know, it's good friends and good fun, and you know, I drank beer on the job, so who cares? Well, it's a good product. I have a good time every time we go over there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable now how far it's come. It's it's crazy to me, and you know, that's just because it's like an incredible group of volunteers, uh, especially in the past five or six years, that have really uh, made that event not only you know scale wise and production wise and quality wise really good but on the back end a really fun place to volunteer with your friends mm-hmm. and uh yeah and then when i moved back to vegas um i was helping plan whichever year that was i think maybe 20 see i moved back in 2014 so this would have been the 2015 event and we had some turnover uh we'd had some turnover at higher levels that we needed to you know fill spots and someone who could wear a lot of hats and so that's when they uh made me the executive director of the organization and uh the rest as they say is me pulling my hair out <laughs> on a annual basis right. uh to get that to get that event off the ground um and luckily especially in the past couple of years luckily i've been well the years we've been able to do it i've been uh consistently adding to my what i what i call my avengers of uh you know 
Highland Games management folks to right. kind of help take take stuff off my plate, run their areas. You're all stars. Man, yeah, that's that's what I I remember when I get them to when I first got some of the new board members and like chair members together, and I was like, all right, guys, like you're you're the Avengers. I'm Nick Fury, baby. So <laughs> I got you together. I need you to do stuff. If you have questions, ask me. There's no facet of the event that I've not been either deeply involved with or ran myself for a year. So I'm like, if you guys have questions, I got 15 years of knowledge up in my up in my bucket. Yeah. Just <laughs> ask me questions, bring me good ideas. Like, let's you know, let's knock this thing out of the park and let's have a good time. Yeah. And I think everyone has a pretty good time at that event. You know, I've I've never done anything to that scale with the games, but I have helped to organize just the piping competition of, of games a few times, kind of help steward and stuff like that. And I love doing it, but in all honesty, like thinking on the experience, what, what did I get from it? And to some degree, I, I maybe I'm sad to say that to some degree, I kind of lost sympathy for the competitors to some degree, you know, because it's just like, <laughs> I can see you that. have no idea how hard it is to get this stuff together or how hard that person over there worked. You know, never a personal thing, but like these people over here have been working for months to put this together. Yeah. And you're seriously going to complain because the shade isn't where you wanted it to be while you were warming up. You know, do you yeah. feel like this hollowed out what was left of your soul? Like, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, uh, you know, you do. You definitely get that because it's like, you, you, and you know, you get it from participants. You get it from the public, and you just gotta kind of like brush that stuff off, right? Because like, no one's ever gonna, like, well, let me put it this way: there's gonna be a vocal minority that doesn't appreciate the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into something like this. Um, And the time that you're, you know, like I said, we're all volunteer, man. I'm, I'm, I probably work, you know, leading up to the games. I'm probably, it could be a part-time job for six months. I'm probably working 25 hours a week on game stuff, you know, after I'm doing whatever my normal stuff is. Yeah. So it is crazy. I mean, it's just, it's an absolutely phenomenal amount of work. The thing that I always kind of keep in mind that keeps me sane and makes me not like deck a guest is, you know, for that, for the 3% of people who show up and are just like sullen uh, a-holes about everything and nothing is perfect and nothing is the way that I want it and blah, blah, blah. And how dare you, you know, charge me to come to this crap event Yeah, that I could have just stayed home if I was going to, if I was going to moan, you know? Right. For that 3%, like there's a, you sometimes not as vocal, like 97% of people who are having a great time. Yeah. And well, now like, you just got to keep that in mind, you know, like you're only going to remember the people who were just, d-ed. but for all of those folks, there's way more people that would like shake your hand and buy you a beer if they could. Right. It, it's probably like how you can, when you witness a, a negative interaction at a restaurant or at a store, you see a customer maybe being unreasonable. You think, well, that person was never a waiter. This per- that person has obviously never worked in the service yeah. industry. Yeah, it's like those they people would never who- behave like that. You know, like right, right. And so you get people complaining about an event like a Scottish festival. It's like, okay, you've obviously never volunteered for anything in your life. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, why don't why don't you have this or why not why isn't this here? It's like because it didn't work out. Like, yeah, not enough like, peacocks, right? Yeah, like it's not going to be the same thing every year. We've had that with like artists. Like, well, you don't you don't have this artist this year. It's like, yeah, because we had him last year. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't I don't want to put on a, a carbon copy of the event right. every year. Hey, and I get really excited about like logos. I, I I'm really into you know just like clever logos and stuff. Of course, the Las Vegas Celtic Society slash Games has the peacock in their logo with all those cool knots and stuff. Oh, we had to. 
is that because the venue was the park with the peacocks or like which which was the chicken which was the egg or which was the peacock and which was the egg in this case you know uh it was it was definitely the peacock yeah and and it was it was the venue i mean you know for all the for all the times that we've had people tell us we should hold it somewhere else um i've promptly told those people where they can stick it <laughs> that's as where much, we'll hold it <laughs> yeah i mean as much as as much of a pain absolute pain um as it can be like working with the city in a city park that they're constantly like making changes to without any input from us. Uh, it's the only venue I think that you can really hold it right now. I'm not saying that there won't be a venue in the future in Vegas that would be more suitable for what we need, but it's pretty, there's shade. Um, it's out of the way enough to where it's not like, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, you haven't probably been to a lot of the parks in Vegas, but a lot of them just cannot sustain 11,000 people over two days. I've been to two city parks in Vegas, um, and yeah, neither, like, no offense, Vegas, but neither was, like, wonderful. <laughs> and especially especially early on, I mean, I remember when we would, I remember when we, we would consider the weekend a smashing success if we had, like, 1,500 people. Yeah. Uh, and early on, you know, people talk about the peacocks, man, and like They're awesome. we're we're hanging out with them all day, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, like why why wouldn't it be a peacock? Like, come on, yeah, it's us. Like we got our we got peacocks all over this park. They're they're part of the event now, almost. Yeah. You know, they're like the unofficial mascot becoming official. They are, yeah. They're that's exactly how I put it when I put that logo together. Yeah, <laughs> I was I like, do, I was I like, do like that logo. I was like, I was like, hey, like you know, we gotta we gotta lean into these some of these things. I don't yeah. want to put I don't want to put a outline of the strip on the Las Vegas Celtic Society logo. There, there are we don't do anything uh, untasteful things that are associated with Las Vegas as well. Oh you man, could, you could certainly suits like <laughs> some of the old some of the old shirts and like I don't want to I don't want to throw too many of our former volunteers under the bus, uh, but I will throw some of them under the bus because they were not nice people. Um, but like you know like how many times am I going to need like. Elvis or a showgirl or dice on a right. freaking it's a freaking Highland Games shirt, man. Oh, I've got some commemorative mugs from earlier games that have oh, those yeah. kinds of things on them. Yeah, in my I, cupboard right now. From yeah, I like I had before. I had people I had people who like yeah like I still have poker chips from a year where you guys were like handing out <laughs> poker chips with logos on. Them. I'm like like what in the like? Don't get me wrong. It is a Highland Games. It is in Las Vegas, but it's not like. I don't have showgirls and Elvis walking around my park, right? Because right. it's a Highland like, game. Which one first, right? Is it a <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas festival that happens to include Highland stuff, or is it a Highland festival that happens to be in Las Vegas? Well, and it took a while. It took a while to convince people, and it got easier once I was higher up in the organization because I kind of had more pull, and I could just kind of like, like, no, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, it took a while to convince people that our event was good enough in quality of performance, of venue, of vendors, of clans, of volunteers, like the event on its own is good enough to represent itself. We don't need to make it gimmicky. Right, it can stand on its own. No it gimmicks can required. It can 100% stand on its own. Anybody that's been to that event knows how epic it is. Yeah, it is, it's excellent. And so it's just like, yeah, like we don't, you know, let's put a bagpiper and someone throwing a caber on there because that's what they're actually going to see when they get to our event. They're not going to see crap tables. <laughs> right. <laughs> like let's, let's lean into the fact that we're celebrating Celtic culture in Southern Nevada, not trying to shoehorn Las Vegas uh, imagery into a Celtic event. Right. Well, it is an excellent event, and I think that's perfectly justifiable. And I like I like the new the the new. Well, I say new. Like I like the peacock logo. I like that a lot. Oh yeah, man. We we love our we love our peacocks now. 
Well, and the branding in general, it's very good branding. And, you know, again, I'm, I don't mean to I don't mean to make you uncomfortable by inflating your ego or anything, but a lot of your branding work is really good. You're good with this graphic design stuff. Um, it's it's almost as if I went to school for it <laughs> right, and did it and did it professionally for two decades. It's almost like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Chanterant stuff is great. I especially like the Secret Six line. I have a, I own a one or two pieces of merch from that line. What, but I saw somewhere that you mentioned a sketchbook. Do you like to sketch like freehand? Like, do you draw stuff as well? Uh, yeah, not as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, probably unfortunate because I probably, if I tried to draw something now, it'd be crap. And I used to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times nowadays, just because I'm I'm so busy, and as and as you've mentioned, I have my hand in so many pots. Uh, it's it's more time efficient for me to kind of like continuously draw things in my head and then just slap them on the computer real quick. Kind of. So you're kind of working in the medium of vectors instead of oh yeah. Paper. Yeah, and like sometimes if I just can't figure something out or if I'm trying to explain it to someone, I'll still sketch something out. But a lot of time I'm just like, you know, like I've got new merch ideas for the summer that we're hoping to do, and it's just kind of sketching itself in my brain. And then once I have something I like up there, I take the time to sit down and put it on a computer. Mm. Hey, speaking of which, I, I don't mean to be one of those guys who just who complains, but uh, what happened to the "Wash Your Hands, Hail Satan" T-shirt? I love that. <laughs> there was, it was, uh, it was a shirt that sold, I believe, precisely two. Oh no! <laughs> see, my plan, and, my, and, I, and one I, of them, and one of them myself. is mine. Oh, <laughs> one of them is yours. Oh, yeah. uh, well, that's that's me shooting myself in the foot because I, I was constantly telling myself like one of these days I'm going to pick up one of those shirts. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to grab one of those. That's Just okay. We have show. we have some. Uh, I have one that I'm working on right now. Or I'm not. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Baphomet, the image. Oh, of course I am. Are you kidding? So yeah, it's gonna be Baphomet with bagpipes. That's gonna be our. Because you know we always gotta have something a little a little too metal in the yeah. store. All right. Well, and then, then I this, think this time uh, I'll act immediately instead of waiting until something goes off the shelf. Yeah, and then I think I think the new Secret Six stuff. I, I made some changes to Secret Six, so there's gonna be like a v- version two Secret Six that's gonna mm-hmm. be coming out pretty soon. But just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I so rarely have the time to sit down and sketch, but just between like work and life and games and band and Chanterant and all, you know, all this, all this different stuff. Right. So I just kind of, I kind of imagine things in my head the way I want them. And then eventually I imagine it exactly the way I want it. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to make that. Yeah. And then some are just layups. Like, you know, I was looking at our big LED sign. I'm like, why don't we have that on an embroidered hat? Like that looks dope. Yeah. And it does. It looks really good. So, you know, the good news for me is I get to usually test drive our merch before, uh, you know, before we promote it too much. So I ordered myself one of those hats. I'm excited. Yeah. Now, but yeah, the, the, the wash your hands, hail Satan shirt was such a, such a brilliant idea that just like nobody got, (laughs) (laughs) and it's like, and like sometimes like, yeah, like sometimes I think, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you have something that like, I remember when I was designing it, I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. And I was going to do two versions originally. I wanted to do uh, an English version and a Spanish version. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to capture that uh, Mexican pipe band market, bro. Yeah, well, you know, it's an untapped, it's an untapped market, really. Dude, and it's so crazy. So I follow so many. I follow a bunch of bands that are like South American bands and uh, like even like uh, Asian ba- like bands in Asia and stuff yeah. like that on like Instagram. Dude, they're so good. <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's like, I really, I, I remember once upon a time, this would have been. I think this was possibly before we did the Ireland trip. It might be, might have been after the Ireland trip, but like we were trying to do, we were trying to get funding because we were going to go to Mexico and do like a documentary on Mexican pipe bands. Oh really? That would be awesome. 
Oh, it's yeah. I'd still want to do it for sure. But it's like, but like, I was like, dude, we could go like me, you, and like, we have a friend that plays in the band with us, uh, in the Vegas pipe band. She's from Mexico. Originally she used to play with uh band, oh, the guy that's Mexico. You, you interviewed, interviewed her, right? Yeah. And so like, we're like, like, man, how do we bootstrap getting like the three of us to Mexico for like a week? Yeah. And like, I'll bring, I'll bring my cameras and stuff and like, we'll, you know, shoot a documentary about Mexican piping and try not to get, you know, abducted. Right. Cool. Yeah, I think that would be. I mean, you know, and it, it could be it could be a mix of like, okay, let's talk about Mexican piping. We'll have a little be, we'll have a little best friends adventure, and like, yeah, like, I'd watch that. I'd watch that fear. Yeah. Granted, it would take me seven years to edit at the rate I'm getting things done nowadays. Right, right. Well, that's. I was in Mex. I was a Mormon missionary in Mexico for two years, southern Mexico, and that's probably the only real regret I have of that experience is that I never had my parents ship my my pipes to me. Like, oh it, yeah it would man. have been really cool and i even had a few people tell me like you should really bring your pipes you know like oh you should have your pipes from that i want i didn't want to risk you know having damaged or something but now looking back i'm like i would have replaced them if i had to you know it would yeah. be cool to have them with me. see this is why i'm super excited that i have plastic pipes now they're going with me everywhere man how are those working now you like those oh i love them i really do um i'm i don't know what dark magic they used to create these because i've listened to a lot of plastic pipes and i i remember uh originally a while back i was looking at a set of plastic mccallums because like oh i need a set that i can kind of beat the hell out of yeah um because we do gigs that are just so brutal that like sometimes i don't want to play my wood pipes right uh i mean you know we used to do the fourth of july parade here and it was like a quarter mile march which wasn't too bad but it was you know 110 degrees at nine in the morning yeah yeah and so we're just we're just dying, you know, I've, just I've walked out of my hotel room in Las Vegas across the parking lot to my car to like go get food at the, like at midnight, middle of the night, at, right out of a shower. And my hair is dry before I get to my car because oh, it's midnight, nuts. It's still impossibly hot out there. Yeah, I mean, and it, and what a like what a culture shock and like, you know, environmental shock it was when we went uh, to play with Bally Priest. Just wet all the time. Northern. <laughs> it's just wet. It's just wet. <laughs> Dank and mucky and wet the whole like I remember putting the trying to get the like I had, I had like one of those old uh, canister systems that I'd borrowed oh, yeah, from a friend yeah. to take because they're like yeah you need you need some kind of moisture control system and we do practices uh, and like after every practice after every um, like competition whatever like you go back we were staying we were staying with uh, one of our friends that was in the band who very very graciously like put us up for the entire trip basically. So we could afford to do it because, yeah. you know, we can't afford hotels. Like, we're two broke idiots. Yeah. Um, and so, like, we'd go home, we'd empty out our canister systems, stick the stuff in the mic, stick the kitty litter in the microwave, like, get all, the, get all the moisture out, load it back up because you're going to have to play again, in the, you know, the next day or whatever. No, man. Here, here in, like, like, Vegas and Utah, Arizona, over here, the moisture control system is just take your chanter out when you're done playing. Precisely. That's all, that's all you have to do. <laughs> I, I do. I I remember we would do gigs. We would do gigs like the Fourth of July parade, or like sometimes in Pleasanton, which gets people always complain to me. They're like, "Oh, like you know, how do you do Highland Games in Vegas in April? Isn't it like super hot?" I was like, "Dude, have you ever been to Pleasanton? The Pleasanton yeah. Highland Games Labor Day weekend. It is it's seven times more hot than it is at our event. It's yeah. brutally hot there." It's just because it's the time of the year, but I was like, yeah, I remember we went to mass bands in Pleasanton or Fourth of July here in Vegas, and like the moisture control was like you shove an ice cube in your bag. Right, you gotta like, <laughs> put a it's like hose down there. yeah, it's like like you put an ice cube in your bag and just like pray, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, those go ahead and give it a plug if you want to that your your pipes because you just barely got them right. 
Yeah, so I got these. Actually, I got these right. I want to say beginning of March, maybe. So I've had them for about a month. These are McClellan Revelation uh, bagpipes. And so you got they're that cool elevation chanter too. Yes. I oh want my gosh. That, man. I'm so I'm so you, excited about that. Dude, if you if you're playing in Nevada, Utah, or Arizona, you want this chanter. Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> like I've, it I've is. Been, I've been trying not to email. Uh, what's his first name, Mr. Mc? No, Roddy. No. Who was it who makes them? Roddy, yeah, Roddy yeah, McClellan. Roddy, right, yeah. I've, yeah. I, I only emailed him once, but I've wanted to email him so many more times just be like, when can I buy one? I have money. Yeah, they're making them. The money. I want it now. That's the big thing now is they're, they're just they're just basically trying to get enough stock because like these things are going to go like gangbusters. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're probably, you guys are probably kind of in the same boat that we are a lot of the time where you've got like 90% tape over your high G. Yeah, there's no high G sound at all happening over here, man. And it's the just all G tape yeah. and then it's just squawk and it's like, yep. damn it. Yep. That's one of the most common questions I get. I know that as people are getting more and more proficient on their pipes as they're learning, the question's going to come, what can I do to make it so I can hear my high G? <laughs> I'm like, you yeah. can't. There's nothing to do. You know, like, or you, you tape it down and it squacks. Yeah, you or, know? Or, or like take a Dremel to your chanter, just you know, cut a whole new <laughs> Yeah, I'm not say just go nuts. Yeah, mutilate it. But yeah, uh, so I've been playing that. So yeah, they're plastic pipes. They've got – so the I guess the, the dark magic is they've lined the bores of the drones – with like a polymer thing mm. and it's like you know it's like porous in a sense that it gives it like it gives like a decent drone like wood sound do you know is that the reason for that bowling pin profile that they have is it to make more room on the inside for another layer or is that just the way he makes his pipes i, th I think that's just the way he makes them because i've seen a lot of his like uh a lot of the pipes he makes that are like the classic mcclellan profile mm -hmm. have that have that huge like bowling pin top stock thing yeah i'm i'm fairly fortunate that these don't have that these look pretty these look pretty standard I don't, because I don't want to question him. He's the artist, and I'm sure some people love that. But I'll be honest, it's not exactly my cup of tea, you know. And so no, and I could, yeah. I mean, I think that's just the way it is with pipes, though, right? Like I've seen, I've seen pipes with like pink ferrules and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, dude, it's your instrument. Like, if you like it, then more power to you. Or like, if I was a pipe maker and I was making pipes, like I'd make them the way I want them to look. Yeah. Honestly, uh, guilty confession for you. Um, I really like the look of just all poly plain turned just solid black pipes like yeah like this just, just black, black black yeah just black and just smooth like, like yep. gunmetal you yep. know exactly that's exactly it this sort of matte finish i like that a lot. yeah that yeah i i'm with you on that one that looks pretty cool i mean these these are uh, these just look i mean honestly they don't look too different from my mccallum's they they certainly sound very different but uh but yeah i mean i'm loving these things and that's part of you know when you when you really like your instrument too it's nice uh, it's helpful to get you to play every day yeah for sure. And if you don't, and if you're listening and you're out there and you don't like your instrument, there's stuff you can do to make you like it more. Like, you know, like, like, like your bagpipes should not be killing you, man. Like you should be able to play for a very long time, fairly easily. All it takes is a little bit of elbow grease and making sure that they're set up in a way that is comfortable and efficient for you to play. Yeah. Your bag doesn't have to leak. Your reed doesn't have to bust your guts. Straight up, dude. I mean, I don't play a very hard reed right now. I I grew up playing two by fours, um, and it's crazy. Like when I first made the switch to like a sensible reed with good tone, I would I blew the damn thing out every time. Mm, yeah, I'd I'd go to play Fusco's pipes, and all the drones would cut off, and right. the stocks <laughs> and the the stocks would shoot into the atmosphere, and yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so used it. to playing these big, thick, crap reeds. Yeah, where you have to manhandle your chanter around and everything. 
uh, you you know Zach, my buddy Zach Lee's who passed away a little while ago. Yeah. Um, he, an amazing piper, such an amazing piper. And I was always surprised the few times that I played his pipes, how he, like just the most delicate touch, just the, oh, the yeah. gentlest instrument. And the thing is, that's because it takes a lot of skill to keep that kind of setup steady, right? Oh yeah, and you got to, and you know, it's one of those things. I mean, we talk about this in our band, and it's it's a legacy dojo thing for sure. Like, you know, we talk about four questions. Like, you don't you don't check to see if your bag is airtight, your stocks are tight, your drone reads are calibrated. You don't check that once a month. You check it every time you play. Because mm-hmm. if you do it every time you play, it's easier. It's it's less work. You know, if you're if you're only doing your maintenance once a month, you're gonna have to do a lot of maintenance on that thirtieth day. Right, right. If you're doing little things every time you pull them out of the box overall you're really making light work you know it's like oh like i have to hemp one joint today because it's a little loose cool right. i don't have to take apart i don't have to take apart my whole rig and you save yourself from those disasters where you go to play a funeral and, oh and man out or dude some of the things i have seen <laughs> yeah. and i'm just like maintenance yeah <laughs> i had a buddy of mine i think we probably talked about this on the show i had a buddy of mine we were playing at the grade three in uh i want to say it was probably in flagstaff and he played he played right before me and i watched him he walked up to go do his stress bay reel he struck in his channer shot out of his stock onto the ground <laughs> he picked it up he thanked the judge and walked off oh no <laughs> and that guy had been playing for you know he was an army piper that guy had been playing for 20 years yeah and i'm just like looking at him like what what you didn't notice that when you put it in like oh that is too bad never never put off when it comes to maintenance man never put off for later what you can do very quickly right then yeah because it will it will screw you at the most inopportune moment. And oh, plus, yeah. like, you got to think about, like, the quality of your performance, right? So, like, how good am I going to be playing? How good am I going to be focusing on my blowing, my tempo, and my finger work if in the back of my mind I'm like, these are going to fall apart on me at any moment? Right, absolutely. I mean, you just don't want to be worried about that kind of stuff when you're trying to land the plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Do you, do you want me to... I don't want to take too much of your time, Josh. Do you want me to bring this to a graceful close, or can I keep hitting? You yeah, yeah. Time? I gotta, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go drink beer with my dog and my girlfriend. So I have very <laughs> big plans for the day. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do your thing, bro. However, however you do it. Well, I'm just enjoying hearing you talk. Really, um, I've got, I've got some other questions I can throw at you, but you know, don't want, don't want to. Yeah, overstay d- my welcome with you. Here. No worries, man. Hit me. All right, then. I would like to know, other than. Um, you know, learning EMT stuff and bagpipe stuff and the <laughs> the Celtic Society stuff. Uh, what else takes up your time and energy? What else are you into? Uh, I've got a new puppy. So that means you said your dogs earlier. So that means you got two now? Yeah, I have two dogs now. My girlfriend wanted to get another dog that would be like her dog. And, of course, she chose a dog that is going to grow to be 140 pounds. Now what kind of dog is it? He's, a, he's an Anatolian shepherd mix. <laughs> are these one of the – you got long hair on him too? Oh yeah, no. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be riding the he's gonna be riding the struggle bus this summer. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, dog stuff. Um, I work uh, with. I still work with some freelance clients. Uh, I do graphic design, marketing, branding, stuff like that. I got people that I just worked with for years, and they need something. They're like, hey, you know, I need blah. Right, you're still my guy. So could you do this? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I spend plenty of time uh, somehow still in front of screens. Um, but yeah, and then. That's that's most of my day. I mean, I don't know. You like it's guns, in, it's, right? I, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been out to the range in forever though, because I don't want to use what precious ammunition I have. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> who it's knows like, how and when you're going to get more, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I really want to go to the range because I'm like, oh, like, you know, like it's nice outside. Like most of my most of my like middle of the day time is pretty free. A lot of the stuff I'm doing is like first thing in the morning or like later in the evening. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, like it'd be a great day to go to the range. And I'm like, but where am I going to find more 45 rounds? If right. I go, if I go blast through, you know, if I go blast through a hundred round box. Like right. then what am I going to do? Right now is the situation where you just go, you go get five rounds, put them in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's you get, what yeah. you get for the day. <laughs> I'm going to drive, drive all the way to the range to dump one mag and then go home. Yeah. I've got, so that's um, a little, uh, that's a little, it's a little limiting right now, but hopefully that gets sorted. Otherwise I'm just going to start, I'm going to go buy reloading equipment, just make my own. Yeah. That's, you know, my dad, like a lot of dads, as he got closer to retirement, he got a reloading setup. He's got a whole table with a tumbler and everything. And that's, that's a lot of what he does right now. Dude, that's, that's the ticket, man. That's the way to do it. Get, get a nice little reloading setup someplace with air conditioning, put the TV or the radio on, crack a beer and just bang out 200 round box. And and you know not only can you then reuse your own stuff, but you go every time you go to the range, you're gonna find you're gonna find stuff that you can pick up and and reload as well. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple of those guys, mostly on like YouTube, where they're like, yeah, like I went out for range cleanup, I sifted, you know, seven pounds of lead out. I'm just gonna make my own two, two, three rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I spend a lot of time out in the desert for for work out in the desert and mountains. So I I figured years ago that I, it'd be worth it to get a concealed carry permit just so I could be more comfortable with what I was carrying with me out there. Oh, the absolutely, work. yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's a good idea. I mean, it's a good idea in Nevada. It's a good idea in Utah for sure. Because like you never know what's out there. And I feel I feel like people are kind of we get a lot of people who open carry here. Yeah, we do too. And honestly, it makes me uncomfortable because I it's very, like, I could grab very that just as quickly as you could, man. You know, like, yeah, I just my, find my it. My kid could grab that off your hip more quickly than you could grab it. You know, I find it very irresponsible. Uh, it's like, it's like how, you know, I get it. Um, you don't feel like paying for the course or like you want people to think that you're more endowed than you truly are. But I think most often that latter. Is yeah. <laughs> but it's like, man, like you're not, you, you know, you're making people uncomfortable one. Two, I mean, that's just a that's just like a shoot me first move, right? If something yeah. goes down, I'm gonna I'm gonna glack the guy with open carrying his Glock first. Right. So it's like it just I just don't feel like it's a responsible. And like you said, I mean, you know, someone's got a someone's got a hip carry in a grocery store. How do you anticipate doing proper re- weapon retention? Right. Absolutely. I mean, anybody could walk up behind him and just slip it out. It's just. Yeah, like let's I get like you said, Josh. Let's let's make some enemies with this with this. Episode. Nah, it's like it's, it's like well, it's not even that. You know, like yeah, I'm a gun guy. I'm a pretty responsible gun guy. You We'd know, like I have, think we are, wouldn't we? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a I'm very much a in many aspects of my life a safety first type person. Yeah, safety first then teamwork. Well, I'll tell and you, like what. you said, dude. Like if I'm if I'm six inches behind you in the line at the grocery store, like I'm gonna get that out of the holster before you do. Yeah, for sure. Yoink. Yeah. So just you know do the it's not it's not like it's hard especially not in nevada or in utah or arizona to get a concealed carry man 50 bucks in an afternoon yeah it's like 50 bucks in an afternoon and guess what you got you got it and then you got to drive down to pick it up like for us you have to drive down pick it up from the sheriff's like that's it so it's like dude just you know spend a little money spend a little time be you know be more responsible and like don't be freaking out people in albertson's because you got a gun on your hip right yeah or an AR on your back. Like, what? what yeah, is that for? The, like, yeah, yeah, it's oh, like, what are you going to do here? You, you spent so much time asking if you could. You never paused to ask if you should. <laughs> if you should, yeah. I mean, it's like, I was like, in what world is like a, is a backsling going to be something you quickly access in a, right. in a fight, right? Like, not in a million years. I saw a guy in a Walmart, of, of course, uh, here close to my house. 
with an AR-15 on his back. And guess what it had? There was a bayonet on the end of it. <laughs> no, like, no it's like, man, he's going to stab himself in the thigh just from walking, you know? If he doesn't well, that's, walk a, that's the thing is like the guy, the guy that's carrying a back slung rifle probably is going to miss all 30 shots. So he's going to need that bayonet. <laughs> that's right. Because right. no one, no one with any level of like proper firearms training is going to do that. It's, like, really more like, it's more like a spear in the shape of a gun. That's what he Yeah. Is. I was like, you might as well just take, you might as well just take it and swing it at me. Cause I'm assuming you can't hit, I'm assuming you can't hit the broad side of a barn. Yeah. A sharp stick is a lot cheaper and you're going to achieve about the same thing. Right. Yeah. Well, um, what about uh, when it comes time for a for a, for a performance? Like one thing that I actually found very useful from this Piper's Planner is at the back it has some of these lists, um, this spot where you can list gigs. And um, you know, like I've been playing gigs for years now, uh, and so I feel I probably am too confident, you know. But I was like, well, I'm going to try this book out, you know, this Piper's Planner thing. And so the first gig I got this year was at the end of January. Of course, it was outdoors a funeral at a military hospital that, or excuse me, a military cemetery that's like on a hill. So it's always very windy and freezing cold. And, um, but the day that I got the gig, it was kind of sunny. And so I was like, all right, got this gig, did my usual thing. And then I looked in the Piper's planner and it's got this spot where you're supposed to put down the temperature and humidity of the day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'll look that up. And like, I would have assumed that the day that I got the gig, the weather was going to be the same three days later. Right. And it was a pretty nice day, but no, the forecast said 33 degrees and snowing on the day yep. of the gig. And I was like, oh, <laughs> good to know. And therefore, the Piper's Planner saved me for that gig. Yeah, um, you got to you gotta check that stuff, man, especially if you're going to be outside. So when it comes time for you to do a gig, what kind of stuff do you do? What's your prep uh, like? Yeah, it depends. I mean, I, I'm a, I like to leave my stuff like ready to go at a moment's notice, right? So I'm, I'm a fan of like when I get home from a gig, that's when I like – wash uniform stuff, press my shirt, shine my shoes. Like, I don't want to be in a panic ever. Mm -hmm. um, and then my Have pipes. Have you ever been late to a funeral? Uh, no, I've, I've not been late to a funeral. I had one gig that was like a friendly pub gig that I completely did not show up to. Ooh. Well, I was late to a funeral once. And let me tell you, I still feel shame. It was just, it was horrible. It sucks, man. And you feel so bad. I mean, yeah, I... I'm very. I'm the guy that shows up two hours early to the airport, man, because I don't want to miss my plane. So it's it's just easier for me. And you know, it's not like I'm. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna tune. I'll you know I'll sit in my car and play my channer. I'll listen to a podcast. Like it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll slam you know Red Bulls like it's going out of style. But, uh, but yeah, so preparation's important. I I think that your stuff should always be ready to go because you never know one, and it'll just it's just one less thing to worry about, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if I know my uniform's ready and a gig comes in, I'm not worrying about that. I'm not like, oh, you know, do I have enough time to get this cleaned or whatever, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I play my instrument all the time, so I'm not too worried about my instrument. I'll always check that. I keep, you know, I keep my little, my boo-boo kits on me, so I've got, you know, make sure I got hemp, make sure I got tape, make sure I got whatever I need to fix any problem that may arise. Yeah. And then uh, a great trick that I learned um, for for those cold weather gigs, kids, if you're, if you're out there, one, you should consider having, like, a thermal, undershirt in your repertoire oh yeah make your life easier two for your for your little handsies a couple tricks i learned one uh get like the uh like athletic wrist warmers and you right. put them you put them on your wrist and put your shirt sleeve over it get a little get a little bit warmer blood going to the old fingies yeah, when you're sense. when you're gonna play so that that's the thing that i keep in my case if it's gonna be cold or crappy out I like that idea better than just rubbing Tiger Balm all over my hands. And then yeah, that's, that's, oof, oof. 
And then uh, I had a buddy of mine, he used to do, he'd take two nine volts and connect them in opposite terminals. What? And it would warm up like a hand warmer. Oh, I see. I mean, you could do that. I don't know the safety of yeah, that practice. I'm a little scared of uh, battery acid on the hands, but sure, yeah, sure. That might that might be a little that might be a little sketch. Um, but you know, you could have like hand warmers in your kit. Uh, uh, nice, nice little uh, whiskey flask. Never hurts if it's going to be crappy out. Take a little bit of that. Take a little bit of that uh, sadness out of the <laughs> rainy, rainy, crappy weather. You know, quick yeah. little nip. But a lot of it's mental preparation. Yeah. And it's work you do the before, you know, if you have a person that you're working, the biggest thing that I've learned recently that I wish I had known earlier was really like, you got to really come up with a way to tactfully deploy increasingly probing questions to make sure you know exactly what's going on. Yes. Because otherwise you're going to show up expecting them to give you some idea of what's going on and they're going to be doing funeral stuff and it's going to be a cluster. Right. Same thing with weddings. Same thing with a wedding. You got to be like, all right, I want you to go through exactly what I'm going to do. Where am I going to warm up? Where am I going to stand? What am I going to play? What was my cue for that? When do you need me there? Do you mean they're early? Is there am I surprised? Is there a special request? Like, when am I when am I going to be able to get the heck so, out of there? Also, who else is going to be playing or singing or whatever, right? So yeah, who else is going to be performing? There. Like, yeah. I mean, a big thing I tell people is like, really push them to front yeah. if they can. Because, like, you don't want to be, like, you don't want to play a funeral or wedding and then just be, like, hanging for a check. so awkward, especially after, especially after a funeral. Yeah, you know, like, man, the way it's just, grace yeah, yeah, thing. You know, you, you should be, like, be able to, like, show up, execute a detailed, detailed plan. And, and a lot of time, you have people who are either overwhelmed with options because they're planning a wedding and the backpiper was the last thing they thought about. But overwhelmed with grief because it's a funeral of someone that we really cared about and they don't want to have all these decisions right now and the yeah. person did not leave spec the person did not leave specific enough instruction or just overwhelmed with like having a good and stuff's going on and you're like hey like I gotta get, like, I gotta get out of here like come on like where's my where's where's, where's my check yeah. it's a lot well, it's so a lot like easier to just be like hey you know like it, and I tell them like you know just so you know get hectic on things get hectic of if you want to pay me before that would probably be easier or you know just let me know what you think yeah. Because then it's just one list about you have to worry about keep one you have in your pocket for someone at this event. Like, and I feel like I've found. Tell me if this is the same for you. That more times than not, when I try to ask the realistic questions, often what comes of it is really what they want, whether they realize it or not, is for me to tell them, "Here's what bagpipes usually do at a funeral. Does that sound good?" Precisely. And yeah. then they usually say, "Yes, that sounds good." Okay, you know, and then there's no more need to go on with it. Yeah, no, I mean, and sometimes that's it, you know, like I tell you gotta be, you gotta help them get to a decision that they want. Yeah. Cause they'll be like, Hey, we're doing a funeral for great aunt Sally. Um, and we would love for you to play, uh, green sleeves as they lower the casket down and be like, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> like, yeah. do you, <laughs> I don't expect you to remember, but uh, I did say, I sent you guys, I sent you guys a recording that I'd sent to a customer with me to do memories from cats. Oh yeah, I do remember that. So bad, I, I'll tell you what though, are uh, for a cover of a bad song on an instrument that the song was not written for, I could tell it was memories. I mean, <laughs> well, thanks. I'll take that as a compliment. But man, I had to convince them that that was a bad idea. Usually, I'm like, I'll do anything you want. I'll make it work. You bet, because this is your thing, you know. But that was the one where I was like, I really don't think you want this. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is not gonna give this is not gonna give the vibe that you're at. Yeah, like, let me tell you, the way to send your dad off. Let's not do this one. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's one of those things where you gotta kind of be, you gotta kind of be like an advocate, right? Be like, 
you have to be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a piper, I'm a musician, I know a lot about this instrument. Let me tell you what I think you want, and then we can make adjustments from there. Now, That's think better about, for think, them than you saying, like, what do you want? Precisely. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, you know, here's a person that knows nothing about piping. Right. So it's like, oh, well, so what, what tune would you like me to play? And like, uh, I don't know. What, do you, what, what tunes are there besides Amazing Grace? Right, right. And I'd be like, well, <laughs> there are many. <laughs> There's Scotland the Brave, for example. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing for me. Like, I had people, you know, I had, uh, <laughs> I've had people before where I was like, hey, you know, if you want, like, I've got some tune recommendations, the tunes I know that you probably have never, never heard of. Yeah. If you want, like, I'll go, when I'm home tonight, I'll record them and text them to you. Right, right. And so, just tell me what you think. I, th- I like the way you phrase it that you need to be an advocate for them basically you're you want to make this good for them and so you know whether that means telling them here's what i think could work and then now what adjustments do you want to make from there yeah or, yeah because 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 just you know just being a sycophant isn't in their best interest right like that just going along with whatever it's like you know if you get something i i have times where like oh like you know I played a wedding and they're like, well, and we'd like you to play amazing grace. And I was like, I really don't think that's appropriate for a wedding guys. Like it's going to be a, it's going to be a freaking downer. Yeah. You'd be like, what about Highland cathedral? Right. So yeah. You're going to have, you're going to have, you know, aunt Sally sitting in the corner bawling into right. her napkin right before ago, we played that for her grandma's wet. Yeah. Ago. Like right, right before some crappy wedding DJ comes on and plays tub thumper. <laughs> right. Like what are you going to, Yeah. you know, like let's, 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 <laughs> let's think this through from a, from a holistic standpoint, not just right. this one, not don't think about it just as this five minute segment. Like how am I fitting into your plan for your day? Yeah. Now, if, uh, if I, if I could ask you, may, and maybe it's answered already, but do you have, I, I know that you're kind of a hot shot on Pumpkin's Fancy. <laughs> do you have any other like go-to tune that either your friends and family request or just that it's your favorite tune to play for people? Uh, yeah, I've got a lot. And then the funny thing, like Pumpkin's Fancy is like my satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. It's like the yeah. song. It's like the song everybody wants to hear that I don't really want to play. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I think it is that for a few of us actually. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's so it's so ubiquitous in piping and like kitchen piping because it's just like it's a perfect example of something that's not super traditional and you know when executed well and quickly, general public's like oh, holy shit, like I never heard bagpipes sound like that before. Look yeah. at that. Uh, but yeah, I, I got tons of stuff I I like to play. Uh, God, what have I had in the mix lately? I've had Desert Storm in the mix. Fantastic oh, yeah. hornpipe. If you're talking hornpipes. Um, incredibly technically uh, brilliant, both in its composition and when played well. Um, to a crowd, they don't know the difference. They're, right, they're, of course. That's the, you know, if we you, do if this you, for our own satisfaction, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's one of those it's one of those tunes where it's like if I play a really good Desert Storm, other bagpipers will like look at me and be like, "That was really good, man." And the general public will be like, "Do the one with the bendy things." Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Desert Storm's a good one. Uh, Chasing Shadows, great hornpipe, uh, and it's a, it's a fun one to play with other people because there's like a really super simple like harmony part for whoever's too drunk to play the main. <laughs> right. Um, that's a fun one. And then like I always I have a fairly stale routine of doing like a slow tune into a fast tune. Oh yeah, I that's my go-to gimmick every time I do a show, man. That's yeah. And so like yeah, like slow, slow tunes. Like I know some fun stuff. Uh what was the one? I think it was called Marion's Call, which is a it's a like really interesting weird slow air that Aaron Shaw wrote. Yeah, I that's I I 
I, a few years ago, I managed to email Aaron Shaw and and got him to send me some some sheet that's, music. That's that's I did that. I remember I remember uh, listening to that tune. It was on a Wicked Tinker CD. Yeah, and it, it's so funny now because like you know. I know those guys now from like doing the games and like they'll come through Vegas on things and like call me and be like, Hey, we're going to Frankie's like you, you free to meet up with us. And I'm like, yeah, totally. But like back in the day, you know, when I was a kid listening to piping CDs, I was like, Oh my God, look at Tinkers, man. Like, dude, they were the, they were Zach and I used to drag main street in Payson, Utah, blasting the wicked tinkers loud and hammer. Oh yeah, man. Out, out of his like, no, like that's, <laughs> that stuff was just so, it was so crazy. And I remember, like, early days, I might have had dial-up internet, right? This is how freaking long ago this was. I remember, like, going to the Wicked Tinker's website and, like, scouring for a contact form or something. Yep, and, yep. I and I found, like, the info at email address or something and emailed it. Like, little, little like, 15-year-old Josh, right? Yeah. And I emailed it, and I was like, hey, I listened to this song. Uh, I, li I listened to this tune that was on your on the album, um... That first slow air is like really, really cool. Uh, is there somewhere I could like buy the sheet music? Yeah. Because I want to learn to play it. And like the next day, like Aaron emailed me back and he's like, he's like, oh, here it is. Like I've attached it. And I was just like, oh, I was just like, what? I was like, Aaron Shaw got my email. Right. I interacted with Aaron Shaw. <laughs> and so I've always loved that tune because it's kind of cool and weird. Um, and then uh, another one I've been playing lately is because uh, it just gets people. And, and it'll even do this with pipers. They'll kind of like turn their head and be like, what the hell? Yeah. Is, uh, it's uh, Tim. God, I can't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget the guy's name, but is he does like, he, he does like Tim Cummings. Tim Cummings. Yep. Man, I like that guy. Dude, he's, he's crazy good. And uh, he did, I saw a video of him doing uh, Man of Constant Sorrow oh, and Sound of yep. Sleep. I know exactly which video you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, and so I, I went on his website and I bought the sheet music for both of those. And I, so far, I'm, I haven't done Sound of Sleep uh, like for, in a performance yet, but I'll do like Man of Constant Sorrow into like a hornpipe. Yeah. And that one's fun because on the pipes, on the, on the Great Highland pipes, you have to actually play a C natural in that tune. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's just like a kind of a fun thing, and it's it's always fun when I play it around other pipers because they'll be like da dee dum bum bum, like oh cool, like this is like a some kind of slow air tune, dun, 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 dun. yeah, like all of a sudden you hit that C and like people start like pipers turn, and like wait a minute, did he do that? Did he do that on purpose? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. They're like that sounded like it was on purpose, but was that a honker? Right. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, uh, Tim recently started a Patreon thing. Where he's got different different levels. You can join real cheap, and every month he's he's arranging new tunes. And like some of them are like for like five sets of small pipes, or some of them are like you know, like mazurkas, or like all you know his kind of stuff, right? Just like stuff you wouldn't expect to be on pipes, and then he does it, and it works really well. I am googling that. Yeah, definitely. I would highly recommend getting in on that because he'll every month he'll put out a recording of it and the arrangement that he did, and uh, it's been so nothing cool. but good stuff so far. It's been so great. Oh yeah, man. Oh, I'm definitely checking this out. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a. Um, the first time that I met Aaron Shaw was the first year that they came to the Salt to the Utah uh, Highland Games, and I don't want to sound like I'm being like, oh, I, I'm so I was so ahead of the times. I'm I'm not being a hipster about this or anything. But mm -hmm. at the time, like Zach and my other Piper buddies and I, we were mostly the only like avid fans of the Tinkers, like. Now, when they come to town, like, you can't get through to their merch tent, you know, any, at any time during the day. It's just crowded all day long. But at the time, that first time they came, after they did their set, they came down and sat down, and there was nobody at their merch tent. They're just sitting there, right? And so my buddies and I, we just walked over there like, hey, hi, you know, like, just nervous, you know, also like 15, about 14, 15 years old. 
and they let us come in. Aaron Shaw let us play as small pipes. They let, they let me try their the Balron and Didgeridoo, their first Didgeridoo guy with the long hair. They signed everything we could push at them. We got like <laughs> our hoodies signed. I got my, my Balron signed. They signed every album that we would buy from them. They were very mm, accommodating, but I had, yeah, I had a, a very similar experience of just being like, oh my gosh, this is Aaron Shaw. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny. Like, it's it's just fun. It's it's a fun crew. Uh, I still like to this day because I used to I used to hire them pretty frequently for the Vegas games. Yeah, they're a good fit for the Vegas games. That makes yeah, sense. so I'd, I'd hire them when I could get them. And uh, I remember it was always funny because they're like, yeah, you know, you're the only guy that's like a Highland Games organizer that when you see us at other events, you come buy us a round of beers. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, that's because I was like, guys, that's because we're friends. Like we've known each other, known each other for like eight years. We're I like to think we're pretty good friends. Yeah. So yeah, when my friends are playing music, I go buy them a beer. Yeah. Because yeah. you looked, you looked thirsty up there. <laughs> that you, you even sounded like you're in shot when you said it. There was that on purpose. Oh yeah, man. That's the way you would say it. Do you have a biggest fan yourself, Josh? Who's your biggest fan when you when you get out of the pipes? Who gets who gets excited about it? I have no probably probably my mom. I don't yeah. know. Like I don't know. I don't know that anybody's like stoked to hear me play. I mean, I like I like playing, so I'll play for anybody who wants to listen. Yeah. Um, my, yeah, it's always interesting because she's probably the one that complains the most if she hasn't heard me play in a while. Yeah, I got you. She's a good mom. It's nice she'll be like, she'll be like, well, you know, you raise this kid and get, get him all these bagpipe lessons and take him to <laughs> take him to events and stuff, and he won't even come over and play bagpipes for me. I'm like, all right, like, fine, mom. Jeez. <laughs> Classic mom. But I don't know. I I mean. I don't think I don't think if anyone uh, was like super enamored with my playing, they would be like they would tell me. I think they, <laughs> I think they just I think like nah, he's he's got a big enough ego as is. Like right. we're just gonna let it lie. Yeah, we're just gonna let it lie. Like we don't we don't need this. Uh, if if money were no object, uh, what would you be doing in the pipe band world? What what piece of equipment would you get, or what trip would you take? What would be the thing for you? Dude, I follow a guy um, on Instagram. Uh, I think I think his handle is the first Piper. Have you ever seen this dude? That does not sound familiar. No. Yeah. So uh, it's it's. I'm pretty sure his account is called the first Piper, and he literally just like travels the world and like plays pipes in cool places and like meets people and like does shit. That would be the dream gig. Like that that looks like awesome. Yeah. He looks like he's having such a good time. But yeah, I would check that account out. It's really cool. And like I'm pretty sure he works in like production or something too. Cause it's like really well done. Mm, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what I would do. Like I just I would just travel around. You would you would never see my band again. <laughs> you, I really do appreciate. I know that you've made genuine efforts to like make it so I don't have to do as much work in post. But anytime it slips through, it does make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm working on it. I really appreciate it. I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying for my I'm trying for my buddy because I know, dude. I know what it's like to have a crap edit. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you wait, how you feel about pineapple on pizza. Uh, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? I mean, I'm not a huge fan. I get the appeal. I get the appeal of like a little bit of sweet, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also, I've had, I'm also fairly pedestrian in my uh, pizza tastes. I'm, I'm like, give me a straight up, just great pepperoni pizza, and like that's usually what I'll mess with. Yeah, I've had, I've had all the specialty pizzas and all this fancy stuff. And don't be wrong, you know, it's, I just think simplicity. Maybe maybe this is a maybe this puts a nice bow on my opinions on piping as well. Pi, uh, piping and pizza. 
something simple executed perfectly, right, is usually better than something very com- complicated executed poorly. That's beautiful. Honestly, I was I was next going to ask you, like, do you have anything you'd like to say for me to kind of fade the episode out on? But I think that might actually be the perfect thing to fade out on. <laughs> it's, it's almost like I do this every week, man. Look at me go. <laughs> right, yeah, <you're> <laughs>